Welcome this morning. I know the Holy Spirit's already welcomed you, and we're so tickled that you're here. It's so fun to be together in the house of the Lord. Um, this coming week, if anybody would like to help us set up and tear down for the service for Pastor Bert, would you call our office or email um, our office and let us know? We're looking at either uh, Friday or Saturday morning. Um, to set up and so just give us a call if you'd be willing to help us move chairs tables that kind of thing we want to help the family if we can and uh stacy will be out at the welcome center today afterwards if you want to talk to her about that or the meals and uh, she'll be out just ask who's stacy and she'll be right there um we have an honored guest here with us pastor kent roberts is here sitting in the honored chair of his dad i've been let's give it to him Favorite, favorite eldest child of Burton Pat Roberts, and uh, you'll get to see him uh, this Saturday, and I just can't wait to see what the family brings us. They're going to minister to us Saturday. Kind of cool when the family we should be ministering to will minister to us. I think you're going to be in for a real treat. I know you will, and we're so glad there. Kent's here with us, and uh, much of what you see around here, he had his hand in. He was associate pastor here for how many years, Kent? seven little just short 17 year time span and so we we are being blessed by the seeds he planted for us and in facility and people's lives so i'm just thrilled to have pastor kent here yay and can't wait to break them loose on saturday for us the whole family uh, osmond family has nothing on these guys <laughs> or the jackson five these will be the roberts five it's going to be awesome all right, would you turn with me this morning? Well, first off, we're in the middle of a series called Out of the Box. Have you ever felt boxed in? Uh, boy, I have in my life over the years. I know Susie has in marriage at times, and but we're working, getting her out of that and helping her with that. Sometimes marriage can do that. It's been good for her, made her stronger, and patience, love, all that stuff. Um, but this is an exciting, it's been an exciting series for me because I'm analyzing my own life. I'm looking at our church as the leader of the church. Are we getting boxed in as a people? Am I getting boxed in as a pastor? Am I getting boxed in as just an older guy who's getting boxed in by his age? You know, or his limp? Or, or what? what? And usually we're getting boxed in right between the ears. What in my thinking, God, is boxing you in? Most importantly, God, how are we boxing you in? I want to let God out of the box in our life, don't you? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This has been our banner scripture. This word was given to us uh, a month or so ago, and it's just gripped my heart because when you look at what the Lord is saying to us here, it, it really opens up your life to all kinds of possibilities. You're only going to be limited by what God can do for you with this scripture. Think about it. You can get as close to God as you want, and you can have as much of him as you want. And what limits God in your life? But us. But if we can see that the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those. Who loves God this morning? Amen. Yeah. And if you don't yet, I hope by the end of the service you just fall in love with him and accept him into your heart. Let me pray over this word this morning. Heavenly Father. We know that man is limited, but your Holy Spirit is not, and your Holy Spirit is breathed upon the Word of God throughout the centuries, and here we are, because your Holy Spirit has impacted and changed the earth. The earth has never been the same, Holy Spirit, since you broke out in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. We ask you to break out again in this message that, oh God, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and in our hearts as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. The message today is a, obviously a subset of our, our series, the out-of-the-box life. And as I'm talking today, I'm just going to ask you to open up your heart and mind to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord's Spirit in your life, and begin to ask, God, is my life in a box that you want me to get out of? Now, as I talk about this today, don't think I'm talking about escaping your marriage, leaving your job, and going to Tijuana and setting up a little ice cream shack. You know, I mean, <laughs> if God tells you that, get confirmation from three or four really mature Christians, all right? 
and then read your Bible for about three weeks, four months, something like that, and make sure God's really telling you to do these things. What I'm talking about is the way you've limited God's blessing in your life, limited God's reach in your life, limited God in the way he wants to just love all over you. We want to have an out-of-the-box life, don't we? I, I, I know I do. I remember as a young person asking the Lord. I, I, I remember a specific prayer. Father, I want an exciting life. But, but I don't want to be a policeman or fireman because you can get killed doing those jobs. But God, just help me have a job, you know, that's exciting. And as a little boy, that's my mind was funny that way. I'm sure I'm the only one that had a funny little boy's mind. But we want an out-of-the-box life. And as we've been praying about this, and I, I loved uh, Pastor Kent's grandpa and the pastor that really trained us first, and Bert had his life in that too. Um, I remember we always used to laugh. There's, there's a mantle on the pastor of this place that always says, we were praying the other day. And you always want to, we, who is this we? Susie asked me the other day. I said, yeah, we need to do something. She goes, who are the we you're talking about? I said, well, you know, now that I'm pastor, it's me and Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's all of us, you know, because I'm just walking so in his presence, I just feel like it's we. So every time you hear me say we, just think, oh, pastor's so spiritual. <clears throat> but as we were praying about this, a thought began to come to our, my mind, and, and I ran across this, and it was like a word of the Lord for us. Have you ever heard of the principle called the requisite variety theory or the requisite variety law? I mean, when I first saw this, I didn't understand. Susie ran into this, and she began to talk to me about it, and I got really excited. So I, she had a message ready to go on this, so I stole her notes. And, and so today, I'm talking about a thought that Susie had. I did give her the opportunity, didn't I, to share on this. In fact, I almost was going to give you the mic again. It was such a hit last week and say, tell us what you saw in this. What does requisite variety theory mean? It just means that variety is necessary to life. I, I never heard it said this way. Uh, we've all heard variety is the spice to life. And I remember Susie's dad telling me that one time. Uh, I don't know if I was getting boring or not around him, but he... He said, variety is the spice to life. And I realize it is a truism, isn't it? That variety is necessary for us. Why is variety necessary for us? Well, they will tell you that a perfect or unchanged equilibrium in your life is on many levels unhealthy. And a lack of variety can actually kill organisms and organizations. Let me give you an example. I want you to go home and just drink water the rest of your life. How many need water? All of us. How many of you need a lot of water? All of us. But will that alone sustain you? No. Okay, we're in Idaho. I want you to go home and just eat potatoes the rest of your life. I'm feeling the potato doctrine coming on me right now. Now, if you're Irish, you might be able to pull that off. But... They put all their eggs into one basket in Ireland, didn't they? And that lack of variety nearly killed the Irish nation. In fact, many of us are here because of that potato famine. They had no backup plan. They had no variety in their farming technique. They had no variety in their nutrition. Variety is necessary in life. It's called requisite variety. It's required, this variety. Same diet, even the same exercise is unhealthy. That tennis player that just does this over and over and over and over, and their right arm gets really big, their left arm's all shriveled like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler, I was just kidding there. <clears throat> Full ride scholarship in tennis. Is he out now? Did he step out just at the right time? Had a baby. I, I was in the spirit there. I knew I could make fun of him because he wasn't here. <laughs> that same move can injure a shoulder. Repetition, no variety in movement. We've got doctors in here. We've got physiologists. We've got therapy people. You know that when we overuse just one set of muscles without a variety, it's, it's injurious to our life. Same movement, same way every day. 
You'll get over fatigued. You'll burn out. They have what they call stress fractures. People that run cross country, same motion, can stress out a bone until it just breaks. And they can't figure out why the pain won't go away. The pain won't go away. It's because you need to mix it up. You get burned out if you have no variety. You, you get into a box with no variety in your life. And you know, anybody that's in that kind of a box, whether it's an individual or an organism or an organization, it's not attractive. People that have no variety in their life might be foamy about one thing, one thing only. It's a one and done. They're a, what do they call it, a one-pony circus? That's not attractive. Now, if they're humble and sweet, of course they're attractive. But when organizations don't have variety, the marketing world just moves on and leaves them there. Variety is necessary. Baskin-Robbins, one variety. Vanilla. Wouldn't be leading the world in ice cream, would they? How many varieties in Baskin-Robbins? You all know. It's, it's, yeah, they, they market on variety. You wouldn't want to go into a store, a marketing play, a, you know, and no, no variety. You wouldn't want your dentist trained in 1930 still practicing the same exact type of dentistry on you. He needs to mix it up by going to college and learning new things. Moving on with variety. You will eventually atrophy because when you do the same thing over and over, you neglect certain areas of your life, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. Yes? And you'll begin to atrophy certain aspects of your life because of misuse, overuse in one area, underuse in another. When we put kids in school, just because they're gifted in music, they don't get to go to music all day long. Why? That wouldn't be as healthy for them as stretching them into areas that they're not comfortable with, that they don't like. Aren't you glad schools force your children to do that? You don't have to be around to hear them whine. <laughs> but they've actually proved that your brain grows on variety. Your dendrites grow when you do a new skill in math, in English, in music, when you pick up that guitar, that saxophone, or that piano for the first time, and your little body's going, I, my brain hurts. I've never used this part of my brain, right? And you hate it. I literally have a picture of my mom taking me a pic picture of me on the piano in Eagle, Idaho, when I was in second grade, bawling my eyes out, because she's making me play piano when everybody else was out playing sports. I wanted to do sports, and that's it. But she developed my mind until I'm the Adonis before you today and the Renaissance man that I am because my mom forced my brain out of the mold, you know. She moved me out of the athletic box into the music box. And my brain and body hated it. I remember a young man in our church learning to play the saxophone in ninth grade and his mom says you need to go talk to him he's down there and I I heard him go remember to squeak and I walked in and I said hey what's going on turned out to be one of the greatest saxophone players Mark McMorrow right up here I remember being there when he hated the saxophone I'm so glad he pushed through that box and it developed him it makes us more whole it makes us fuller Richer. Variety increases our flexibility. Think about it. Susie, a number of years ago, had an injury to her shoulder, and it hurt like crazy to raise it hardly at all. Well, the pain lessened and lessened, but she'd gone like this for so long she could only raise her arm this high. Was it your right arm? It was left arm. It was her left wing. She flew in a circle. <laughs> and she couldn't raise it above there. And the doctor put a, gave us a little thing to take home, a little pulley up there with a rope at this end and a rope on this end. And she's supposed to pull on it to stretch and get that flexibility. And her arm refused to go this high. And it hurt like crazy. 
I didn't even want to be around when Susie was trying to do therapy to her shoulder. She could not still, even pulling on this arm to pull it up, she couldn't get it up. They literally said, here's your only option for us to knock you out and break that shoulder loose. Now, there's a risk that it is stuck. It's called a frozen shoulder, that it's stuck so bad that when we break it loose, you will break a bone in your arm because we have to wrench on it so hard. Well, thank you, Jesus, that in surgery, they were able to break that shoulder loose without breaking another bone. But the nurse told her, one of the nurses in there, what did she say, Susie? <laughs> it broke so loud and so hard, everybody in the operating room, ooh, yikes, you know. And, but she came out with flexibility. Yeah, it hurt to break beyond where she was stuck in her life. Hurt like crazy, and she needed help doing it. She couldn't do it herself. You see, this is where God and the family of God comes in. Marriage comes in. Doesn't marriage stretch you and break you out of a mold? Doesn't the fourth child break you out of the one-child-only mode or the no-child mode? Doesn't life force you out of your comfort level? But when you can come out of the box and you can add variety to your life and mixture to your life, it extends your reach. It extends a business's reach. It extends church's reach. When a church can break out of that, you can reach further into the world. In fact, God did that over and over in the scripture. And the people of God, when they were forced to have variety in their life that they didn't want variety, it extended their reach. It made them have a greater territory. Think of Jesus and the disciples. Didn't he force them out of their frozen self on almost every day of their life? Do you want to follow Jesus? Hang on. Because he will break you loose. He will set you free. Your frozen shoulder will become unfrozen. And it might hurt. It might be uncomfortable. But you're going to extend. Think about the reach of the apostles after Jesus got done putting ultimate variety into their life. Think of the territory that they took for Jesus after that. Where if he had to broke them out of that. They'd have stuck right around Galilee and fished the rest of their life. Had the same calluses and blisters, the same muscles used. But they were challenged almost every day of following Jesus. It took them three years to break them loose. You have a greater expansion in your life. Things that are flexible can expand with what's going on in your life. And you then have a greater capacity in all sorts of ways, whether that's financial, whether that's relationally, whether that's promotion, whether that's just the capacity of the Holy Spirit to come more fully into your life and you have a more of a capacity to serve the Lord because you've taken on a flexibility. I remember at University of Idaho back in the 70s when I was there, we would train in our off-season and our coach, Ed Troxell, was a designer of equipment and he had all these we called them instruments of torture in the weight room but in those days the harder you work the more the benefit just work hard and so monday through friday we would lift maximum weights on monday wednesday friday and we'd max out on those days with the bench press squats and deadlift and then tuesdays and thursdays we'd hit his circuit of all these weight machines and we basically repeated only cardiovascular, more lifting. How many of you know when you take no break from the routine, your muscles can't recover, right? We didn't know that we'd have been bigger, faster, stronger if we'd have just done certain things right on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and chased our girlfriends on <laughs> variety. When I did cross country, when I did a triathlon training, um, sprint triathlons, which means very short for old people. Um, I finally got to my doctor after about three, four years, and he says, are you doing any weightlifting? I said, are you kidding me? I'm working out. I'm in the best shape of my life. He says, yeah, but all cardiovascular begins to diminish your body's capacity to make testosterone. So your muscles are actually atrophying. 
because you're not mixing up your routine. What? They're now telling us as we get older, back to the weight room. I, I'm here, I'm, I mean, it's like I started in the weight room, I'm going to end up in the weight room. He said, I'd, I'd rather you do a little minimum cardio, but really get into the weightlifting. They're telling me that at 62 years of age, because I need the variety of flexibility and moving all my different muscles, and when I sit down, I only go this far, I don't squat below that, because then I just can't get up off the floor. So my muscles are confined to only a certain range of motion. And because I did the same thing over and over, my muscles actually atrophied some. How many of you know of a marketing tool that got really flexible called P90X? How many have heard of P90X? You know why so many have heard of it? Because they revolutionized something. They called it, we want to take your muscles and really throw them off every day. They won't know what's coming. Right? Muscle confusion. Am I getting it right? They're confusing your muscles every day. Your muscles come in expecting one thing, and pretty soon you're doing another. It's like, I, I didn't, my, your muscles are going, ah, what's going on? I didn't do this. Last week I was just, I got my routine down for one week, and now you're mixing it up. Muscle confusion. It wasn't a flash in the pan. P90X has gone on and gone on and gone. They've been a flexible industry, and they're just selling tons of things because they hit on a truism. Variety is the spice to your muscles. And as a company, they've been out-of-the-box thinkers. Yeah? They weren't the same old, same old, grab a protein drink and see how much you can lift, and let's sweat to the oldies. They got out of that box, and there's nothing wrong with sweating to oldies because you can keep up with them. All right, anyway. <laughs> so, when it comes to what God wants you to do, when it comes to what God wants to do, let's say it that way. Do you think he's in the box, or is he beyond what you can think? Does God say to you, I am so far out of your box, your eye hasn't even seen it. Your ear hasn't even heard it. In fact, your mind has not even imagined it. That's out of the box game. Are you flexible or rigid when it comes to doing what God wants you to do? How do you know? If we keep doing what we feel comfortable with, that doesn't necessarily mean that's faith or acting on God because every movement of God, every act of God, pushed people beyond what they wanted to do. Almost in every occasion. Are we flexible or rigid when we just ask God, God, my eye hasn't seen, my ear hasn't heard, I haven't imagined it, but God, I want to. But that'll mean variety. That'll mean flexibility. You cannot read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and feel like people got to do what they wanted to do with their bodies, with their lives, without God saying so. The whole Bible's about stretching us beyond where we believe, where we want to live, where we want to stand, what we want to do. So I ask again, so when it comes to God doing in our lives what he wants to do, are you flexible or are you resistant? God rocked my world this week on the way to our conference. I was listening to a pastor, just happened to grab this. I needed some inspiration. I was, I was tired. Um. Uh, Anybody ever been tired in life? It happens all the time. So I'm not telling you I was in the deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, I wasn't saying that, but I just was tired. And on the way up to this conference, I, my bucket was empty, and I thought, man, I need to get something. So I, I just happened to turn on this message by this very great pastor. And he talked about the burden and the blessings and her gift of the Lord. Children are the greatest burden you'll ever have. <laughs> Mary, highly favored, greatly blessed, blessed, magnify the Lord, oh my soul, and a teenage girl pregnant out of wedlock. And you never hear her complain. Took on the greatest burden any young girl could ever take on, birthing the Savior into the world in very, very stressful circumstances. 
with the blessing. And he said, you know, God hasn't chose you, and this is what rocked my world. God hasn't chosen you just because you trusted him. God chooses you, Pastor Ralph, to lead the church because he trusts you to do what God tells you to do. Even to your own hurt. And I've realized every variety that Susie and I have brought to this church has not been our ideas most of the time. In fact, we fought with the idea. We didn't like the idea. It would be harder on us. We have to break out of what we've been doing. People won't expect it. Their muscles will go, what? What the heck? I just got used to doing. But God said, I made you pastor because I trust you to do the hard. Rocked my world because I, I thought he'd say, I love you that you trust me, Ralph. But he said, no, I trust you. People of God, God has to put leaders out there to pull you where he wants you to go because your body, your mind, your soul can't conceive it and won't want to go there. It just won't. Read the Bible. I, I, I finally termed a phrase to this, this week. The Bible was not written to stupid people. I mean, think about it. We read about the children of God going into the wilderness, and they go, we want to go back to Egypt. This is a muscle confusion for us. We, we, we get Egypt. It's got its leaks. I mean, we could get free fish in Egypt. Did you forget about the bricks and the mortar and the oppression? And I've thought for years, what stupid people. Have you ever thought that about the children of Israel? Stupid, stupid people. God... Ten plagues. He wipes everybody out but them. He has them leave Egypt with more money than they knew what to do with. They just raided Egypt. Gold, everything. They're free. They're no longer slaves. And they get to the Red Sea. Oh, we want to go back. And we go, stupid people. Three days out, God opens up the Red Sea. Have you ever seen the Red Sea? It's not a little puddle. He opens up the Red Sea. They cross on dry ground, and God wipes out the mightiest army in the world in a flood of waters. End of story. He baptized them. They can't go back. And they get out in the wilderness three days, and they haven't found water. Now, they don't chronicle all the blessings. They just go, we're not used to this. We don't know what to do. We want to go back. And they tested God. They said, if God really loved us, that was the foolish test. Don't ever throw down in front of God that he doesn't love you. How many parents love that? You don't like me. You don't love me. You just want to grab them and put them back into the womb for nine months. Yeah? It hurts. It hurts your little parent heart. That's how we hurt God. If you really loved us, you wouldn't have me go three whole days without water. Surely, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. Stupid, stupid people. And then God said something to me this week. Do you really think I wrote the Bible to stupid people? You're reading it because that's you. The Bible was not written to stupid people, else he wouldn't have given it to us who are his wonderful children. He gave it to us because that is exactly what we do when God wants to bring something new into our life, bring a new variety into our life, stretch our muscles. The minute he begins to do that, we don't see it as an opportunity at all. It was an awesome opportunity to get out of Egypt any way they could have and head for a promised land. Instead of having faith, they had fear. Instead of having trust, they doubted. What would it have done to God's heart if all that generation was said, this is awesome, we're out of Egypt, we got free food every day, there's a cloud over our head, there's sun at night, it's, uh, we have streetlights at night, I mean, there's a million and a half of us here, we're doing great. What's God got next? Oh, children of Israel, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have you imagined what's across the Jordan for you. I can't wait. It's like Christmas for God to unwrap the future for me. But it means the manna will stop. What? Yeah, that manna you got for free, it's going to stop. Well, then what do I have to do? Use your muscles with a rake. Well, what the heck? That's not even supernatural. Here I have supernatural. Here I got a rake. Yeah, but the expansion of your territory. 
your reach. See, you guys are children of Abraham, and the Abrahamic blessing was, I will bless all the nations of the world through you. And if you're stuck over here in your little wilderness area, not breaking out into the world, nobody gets blessed. I got to break your frozen shoulder out of this wilderness thing, get you through that, get you over here, and you will begin to impact all the nations of the world. Over here, it's just you and mine. Here, it's your blessing to everybody. I got to expand your reach. I got to expand your capacity. I got to expand, expand, expand. I got to make you more flexible. You're too inflexible. I fill you with a quart of milk and your little wine's going to go. I feel you with my Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, I cannot put my new wine in your old wineskins. Get flexible. Get new. We sang a song about God, make me new. Make me newly flexible. Now, I'm preaching here to myself, and all of a sudden I heard God saying, you are really not, infle- not flexible, Ralph. I know, I hate street lights. Stop lights, I mean. I hate when God stretches my patient muscle. I hate it, because that means I hit every, there are, I've counted, there are 21 stoplights between here and my house. <laughs> mumble, mumble, grumble, grumble. Murmur, murmur, rah, 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 rah. brought us out here to kill us. What are these stoplights for? They're not helping anybody. They surely don't help the people going 55 on Eagle Road. Why do we all have to stop for the one car that's on the 25-mile-an-hour road? Let it turn. And we all watch him go down the road about nine miles, and he makes the next light, and then now we all get to go. Because of him, I don't make the next light. I got it all figured out. And Jesus just smiles and said, tribulation will work patience in you, my son, and you're not very patient, so get ready for variety, for not getting the expected. This is great. It's 5 in the morning. I'm coming to church. I'll miss all the traffic. And every light stops me at 5 in the morning. I go, what in the, what's that all about? Did a bicycle drive by and trip the light? What, what? Unexpected. Unexpected. Flexible. Are we flexible or rigid? God wants us to have an out-of-the-box life. It's really interesting. The person within a given system, now listen to this, and I think you'll find this true in most of your organizations. The person within a given system that has the most flexibility will end up leading that system. I'm going to say that again, because I know this is a truism in my education career. When I would walk in the faculty lounge, and I'd hear the inflexible people talking. Why are these state standards of blah, 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 blah. And I hear another teacher say, you know, I've always wanted standards. I, I've never known what to teach. I, as an earth science teacher, I, never, I would ask the high school teachers, what do you want my earth science teachers to know? Oh, just teach them the periodic table. Really? That's it? Yeah, yeah. Am I a good teacher or a bad teacher? How do I know I'm doing my job? There's nothing to compare to. I was king of my own classroom. And when the standards came out, I was able to see, oh, I'm a little behind most of the teachers. Now, my kids are better than most. Hey, I'm doing the right thing. or I'm doing, I need to modify. I need to adjust. It stretched us as an education system. I'm not saying everything about change is awesome or right. But I realized because I embraced the challenges and saw the opportunities, the day came I was an athletic director. Then I was the middle school principal. And then I became the, because the superintendent wants somebody that can move on, leading the teachers. And then I got an administrator, getting the administrator meetings, and said, now we're going to throw variety at you. Go, ah, and I was terrible at it, but I mean, I wasn't perfect in it. But if you will take on a heart of flexibility in Jesus. The person within a given job, a given system, a given church that has the most flexibility will end up leading within that system. I think that's a truism. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about flexibility with our values or our godly traits. Okay? Now be flexible with immoral 
sex. Be flexible with drug use. Be flexible with hating your neighbor. Be flexible when somebody hits you. Hit them back. Or next time, kick them. I mean, just have some variety there. I'm not talking about that kind of flexibility. We stand on a rock that's unshakable with our values and the traits that are perpetrated about Jesus and God in the Bible. Don't, Don't flex away from who God is, who you are in God. When a business or a church become inflexible and can't handle sudden noises, they get stuck in the mud of the old model and they become irrelevant to the world around them and they no longer lead in their perspective field. When a business or a church or a human being becomes inflexible, you can get stuck in the mud and you know it. And after a while, you're still operating in an old model that is no longer relevant to the whole world around you because the world's moved on. And you no longer lead in your perspective field. You know this is true of Google, of Amazon, of your life, of churches. Watch Church World. There was a day in the 50s when somebody came along and put up a circus tent to do church in it. It blew their little minds. And Billy Graham went on to do great things and led in evangelism. Because he broke out of the church box. He began to be on TV. That idolatry box that's in my room, it's in my, that awful thing called a boob tube is, how can you use that for Jesus? Right? Have you heard social media? Boy, you can't do nothing except be selfish in social media. It's an opportunity, gang, for the church to get the word out. It's an opportunity to be flexible with it, to look at it as, oh, my gosh. They are now saying Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, is reaching more people for Jesus than all the television and tents that his dad did through social media. Get flexible, church, and we'll have a reach and get into territory, and your life as an individual will begin to grow. You want an out-of-box life. You want to believe the scripture that says your eye has not yet seen. Your ear is not yet heard. Your mind is not yet imagined. This whole thing is wrapped up in trusting God and having faith in him. Because your mind can't conceive things you've never done before. You can't conceive the promised land when you've lived in the wilderness so long. You can't conceive the wilderness experience if you've lived in Egypt too long. Every one of those were a progression God wanted you to have. He's not saying that time was awful. He did a lot of things in Egypt. But then the wilderness was only supposed to be a couple months to a couple years. And it was supposed to train the people. It was supposed to show them the sovereignty and awesome hand of God and how he would protect and guide and lead and how they could trust him and have faith in him. And yet when it came down to brass tacks, they were too afraid of the unknown to go next. And a whole generation died. And when the new generation went in, they were missing one of the most valuable aspects of an entire church world, the older generation. God's idea was to take the whole kit and caboodle, all the generations, all the people groups, into the promised land. I hope we're not the group that says, not going in. Because I don't know what God's going to do to me over there. If God's leading us, he will be with us. Moses says, God, if you do not go up, I will not go. But if you go with me, I'll go into hell itself for you, Jesus. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. These things you see me do, and greater shall you do. I've never done that before. That's right, you haven't. But it will stretch you and make you better. Do you think God loves variety? Come on, think about it. Jesus, Son of God, did he love variety? I mean, he had variety on every page of the Bible. I mean, we all want to take a formula for healing blind people. All you do is you spit in the mud, you make mud, you put it on their eyes, and you say, go wash in the pool of Salaam. It's about 12,000 miles away, but I'll give you a ticket to the plane. Next guy puts his finger in the guy's ear, spits in his mouth. Oh, that's what we're doing now. 
No, that's what he did then. And the disciples are writing it down. Put fingers in ears. And they would have practiced that until 2,000 years later. We'd still be healing the deaf and mute people by spitting in their mouth. That's humanity. That's not Jesus, and that's not God. Every page of the Bible gives you muscle confusion, spiritual muscle confusion, and develops every aspect of your Christianity, every aspect of your life. God wants to develop you into a well-rounded fighting machine for Jesus where you're not just left-handed, you're not just right-handed, but you can kick, bite, scratch, kill the enemy in every direction you want. And your life can be victorious in any direction. They're only limited by the box you put in your own mind that God wants to get you out of that box and give your life a gigantic launch. God wants to launch you as an individual and as a people of God. But it does hurt and make you sore and make you murmur. You know, the reality is nothing makes you murmur. It's not those stoplights that make me. I choose to murmur. I should choose to make it an opportunity. Maybe pray. Lori has talked about, you know, figure out something to do spiritual while you're sitting there waiting. I've taken naps. It's great. You just lay back. No. <laughs> Hope the guy behind me honks, you know. Don't do that. God loves variety, and Jesus required his followers to experience variety. This is what builds faith muscles. Jesus wants to make you use all your faith muscles. By the way, requisite variety is just a term for a truism. It's not in the Bible. I'd like to call it having an out-of-the-box life. Are you boxed in? Ask Jesus a God way to come alive again. Jesus mixed it up and was unpredictable on almost every page of the Bible. He hardly ever healed two blind guys the same. He was always scaring his disciples. Susie talked about, I think Jesus, after he showed up in the boat, on walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost. He jumps in the boat and goes, boo! <laughs> and they go, oh, God, gee, I wish you were doing that, Jesus. <laughs> Holy mackerel, that's, that's, he's mean. He's, Jesus is mean. And I think after that, they'd be sitting at a table in the dark, and he'd peek around the corner and go, boo! And they go, oh, God, would you quit doing that, you know? Then he dies on the cross, he raised again, they're eating, and all of a sudden he shows up and the doors are locked. It's like, what, God, geez, this guy is just keeping me on my toes, yes? Don't you really like it, ladies, when the husband's got a little surprise romantic thing going instead of doing the same old, same old thing, yeah? And I hear a very quiet, internal, amen, Jesus. He frustrated his followers, he challenged his followers, hmm. He was the real spiritual P90X faith muscle confusion man of the year. And he still is. He launches his followers way beyond their own comfort level. And they had to ride. We can have a ride of a lifetime, gang. We can literally have a ride of a lifetime. Susie and I have laughed watching churches over the years. It's like the little image that came into my mind. Do you know what the snail says when it's riding on the back of the turtle? Whee! <laughs> Please, let God walk a little faster than a turtle. He launched them way beyond their comfort level, and they had the ride of a lifetime and changed the course of human history. If you will allow God, he will change the course of human history through your life. If you'll but believe and have faith and trust. I'd like the band to come up. I've modified this scripture. Don't think I'm taking literary license with the Bible, but think about the apostles now sitting in heaven gloriously in the bleachers cheering us on. Think about those apostles when they were challenged for the three years in a dusty, dirty little nation called Israel. 
Think about when they saw Jesus crucified. They could not imagine where it can go from here, and yet he rose again from the grave. He broke out of that box too. And he blew their minds. And today they would say, our eyes had not seen nor had our ears heard nor our minds even imagined what God has done with the world through us. Could anybody have imagined we'd be sitting here in Idaho today talking about this same living Jesus? I pray the Holy Spirit has downloaded into you a new flexible heart. One that could begin to pray in the worst situations for the opportunity now that's before you. Not the tragedy, not the burden, but the opportunity that's before you. For it's faith that says all things will work together for good to those who love God and answer his call. All things. Every awful thing God can turn into a wonderful thing. It's an opportunity for God to show his greatness in your life. Paul says, I revel when I'm weak because then God glorifies himself by being strong in my little weak life. Paul looked for, Paul saw opportunity when he was awful. I'd like everyone here to bow your head if you would. I would like to ask some of you here who have never, ever conceived giving your life to Jesus. I'd like to right now ask you if you're willing to take the right of your life and to go into the unknown with Jesus. Susie talked last week about knowing her future if she stayed away from God, but going into God was this exciting, scary unknown. Can you trust to give Jesus a chance to give you the right of your life and to get you out of the mud you're in, get you out of the box you're in, get you out of the depression, the sadness, the sorrow, the dead-end life that you know you're in, Jesus wants to set you free by just accepting him and putting your life on him. Jesus, make us a flexible church, not a wishy-washy church, not a church without a backbone, but a church that will say yes to you, commander-in-chief. Lead, I will follow God. I'll go where you want to go. I'll do what you want to do. For I trust you, Lord, into my future and into this church's future. In Jesus' name, bless you. We're going to have some more ministry today. I don't want to leave anybody out of being able to respond in your faith to Jesus today. So I'm going to ask Jeff to come up, and we're just going to begin to give you a chance to respond in the way God's calling you to respond today. Bless you. Thank you, Alan. So we have a couple of ways that we can respond today together as a church. The communion tables on my left, left, and right are open. You guys can join as we start to worship together. Um, You can simply stay and sing uh, and worship the Lord together with us where you are. And then the third option is you can make your way to the prayer corner in the back, and our prayer team will be there to pray for you. Ralph said something today. um, For Susie's arm to get out of that funk that it was in, it had to be stretched by someone else. And I think sometimes we think that we can just do it on our own. And Today, I think just... There's some of us in here that really need both God but the fellowship of the church to help break our shoulder out of where it's at. So today, if you need any prayer, just make your way to that prayer corner and allow those people to pray for you and really impact your life because God uses us as a tool for each other. So would you join us in worship? Uh, Find the prayer corner in the back and the communion is also open. Thank you. What was torn you mend again You redesign the tag thread by thread. You take the broken and destroy.
you're still getting prayed for, please feel free to stay and partake of that time. If not, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.